Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. This is Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Silverette. Silverettes are for helping to heal your sore nipples. And today's episode is also brought to you by Imani and BreastPumps.com. Imani recently released the Imani I1 Dual Breast Pump. And we will hear more from our sponsors later, but you can head to badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com and check our sponsor page if you need anything. See if you can give them any of your business because they make this podcast possible. And while you're there, scroll down and enter your email address and we will send episodes straight to your inbox every week. And don't leave without checking out our shop page where you can see all of our awesome shirts and drinkware, and stickers, and fun things like that with our new logo and some fun sayings on it. And uh, now Diane has our review of the week. And it comes from our iTunes. So thank you so much for putting this on iTunes for us. And she says that she sent, she said, I sent them a long email explaining how they helped me break an endless cycle of clogged ducts that turned into mastitis. I'm so thankful I found them and will continue to listen. And this must have been our mastitis episode, I'm guessing, um, that she, you know, listened to and kind of helped solve her problem. And um, I'll link that in the show notes in case you haven't listened to it. But I am really glad that that helped you because that's miserable to like have this endless cycle of clogged ducts and all that stuff. So thank you so much for, you know, for letting us know how that was helpful. And for putting that on iTunes for us. We super appreciate it. Um, you can also send us an email if you do not have a way to put it on iTunes or you can, you know, send us an Instagram. Last time I read one that had come from our, from my Instagram and Abby gets them all the time too on her Instagram. So you can absolutely, um, you know, reach out any way you want to reach out and let us know how we've helped you if you want to do that. And I wanted to also um, just super quick, um, mention my colleague's book. This book sucks. Feeding Your Baby Shouldn't. You can find it on Amazon. It's adorable and really great, um, especially if you're a first-time parent or you know anywhere. in the. If you're like a lactation consultant or a breastfeeding support person and you want to check it out just so that you have something to refer other parents to, because I know people ask me all the time, what's a good book? What's a good book? And um, honestly, there's a lot of books out there that are crap. So this one is really good. So you can find it on Amazon if you want to. This book sucks, but feeding your baby shouldn't. And we are going to talk about Jeffrey Dahmer. Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> You're just no. so. Oh. <laughs> we every, were just talking every about this. Single oh my god! Week, we do this every week. We go. <laughs> we're talking. We talk for like ten minutes, and then it somehow magically is like related to what we're talking about in the episode. And then we're like, oh man, we should have hit record earlier. (sighs) It's so frustrating, but we were going on. I don't even know how we got on this. Oh, we're talking about. I was just saying that. I was just thinking that. Why did I even ask you if you'd watch Dahmer? I don't don't even remember why I asked you that. I don't know. We were talking about dead bodies and we were talking about the smell and the, Mm, and then for mm -hmm. some reason the Dahmer thing came up and, show and I was like I can't watch it and then we were talking about Jeffrey Dahmer and she was like I'm you know like how do people get like that and then I made the joke like well they weren't breastfed and then you know we were like but wait you know like breastfeeding is like nurturing and of course just because you don't breastfeed doesn't mean you're going to make a serial killer but like you know people that are not that are like neglected and like 
you know, emotionally abused or mostly neglected. I mean, neglect the, you know, uh, emotional neglect, like, like actually not responding to needs like ever not being emotionally attached or anything to your child is far actually proven to be far worse than even, even like emotional abuse, because at least there's like with abuse, there's either attention Mm-hmm. neglect just like you know i mean i i uh, we're really jumping right in here <laughs> no. but as like as a social worker and somebody who worked with really severely abused and neglected children in in the social welfare system um you know people do take their and people who are very very mentally ill or substance abuser you know not just it's not like you know, just like anybody does this, but people will, you know, I had clients who were just, you know, they had the baby and they would just put the baby in the closet. Yeah. And then the baby just, you know, was just in the closet. And like this type of neglect is like, I mean, it, it, baby, you with no interaction from other, you know, people or caregivers, like you, you like literally don't develop and you don't develop you know, your uh, conscience and, uh, you know, this is, this is how people become like sociopathic, like with absolutely zero empathy, with absolutely zero, um, um, you know, sense of, you know, empathy or anything for other people. Right. And of course, we're not, obviously we're talking about the extreme situation, but this is like, it was completely relating, you know, it was like relating to what we were going to talk about today, which is about how people think that breastfeeding makes kids needy. And it's like completely insane to think that for, oh my God, I have so much to say. I know. I I used to do this training. I would train people at my, at my job about like, um, so we use this thing called PROACT. It's professional assault crisis training and it was just basically the like the hands-on restraint um method that we would use when children were um becoming violent um and the training would always start with like you know intervening without your hands you know as much as possible and so we would start the training off with like what um why do you think children, you know, act out? Why do you think that people become, you know, violent or aggressive or whatever? And the f- number one answer is always like, they want attention. And I, it, it's so, it, it, it's so frustrating to think that as a social worker and in this like field that people are, that think about other people as acting out just because they want attention. And not understanding, first of all, that what, who to, attention, that everybody wants attention. Everybody needs yeah. attention. And it's seen as so like, oh, they're so needy. They just need attention. Yeah, they do. They need attention. Everybody needs attention and emotional connection. And if you are not providing it, they damn well act out. Yeah. You know, like this is just how it works. There's when my when my husband and I got together and Abby and I in a few weeks are going to do an episode about like kind of um, reintroducing ourselves, I guess, because I feel like we talk to we talk on the podcast every week like you guys have been with us for our whole lives. So (laughs) we do get that maybe you don't know like some of our history. Um, 
So like kind of in a nutshell, Abby was a social worker who worked with troubled kids when she just, you know, kind of put that out there a little bit for you. But my husband is not the father of my children. He is my second round, um, which <laughs> did you call him a- your second round? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he, is, he is my second husband and my last. He will definitely be my last. But um, so when we got together, I was just starting to like, I was literally studying for the IBCLC exam when we got together. And I remember like we were starting to date and I remember sending him like the blueprint of how to become an IBCLC. And I was like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm studying for. And he was like, that looks kind of hard, but you know, and I remember him like bringing me coffee when I was up late at night studying and stuff. Cause I had these little kids. So I would study at night. So everything like we would talk about different stuff and I'd be like, yeah, but you know, like too bad they weren't breastfed or, you know, I always kind of like threw that in there somewhere along the way. And at one point I did say, we were talking about like, um, just how bad like crime is and, you know, things Mm -hmm. like that. And I was like, yeah, you know, they're not breastfed. That's why. And he was like, why is that your answer for everything? And I'm like, (laughs) you are not going to see your breastfed child your kid that you breastfed for a year, that you like were responding to their needs for a year, feeding them and nurturing them and holding them and snuggling with them. Like, you're not going to see that child on the corner selling drugs. Like, maybe you will, but overall, probably not. And why is that? Because they were likely neglected and looking for their family elsewhere because they're not getting it in home. Right. They're not getting the attention and the support and the what they need from the people that are in their home. They are going elsewhere to find that. And that's where you get the gangs and that's where you get stuff like that because they are looking for that connection somewhere else. And I did an infant mental health training. Um, it was actually right when the pandemic was starting. It was fascinating. And it was just, oh my God, it was so fast. We'll have to maybe do an episode or something on that sometime because I still have all my notes mm-hmm. and all my stuff oh, from that. Yeah. But one of the things that they, we watched this video of a parent who like was interacting and they was like intentionally done this way so they could see the baby's reaction. And the baby was probably, I don't know, three, four months, five months, something like that, six months, right in there. And the mom was like, you know, playing with the baby and playing with the baby and the baby's giggling and all that stuff. And all of a sudden, she went totally like stone faced and stopped interacting with the baby, like just completely stopped interacting with the baby. And the baby was like, like seriously, the reaction of this baby was like heartbreaking. Like she was trying to draw her mother in and trying to get her some kind Mm -hmm. of reaction out of her mother and like, you know, like squawking and calling out and and the mother just was not reacting at all. And until the baby finally just started crying, like, Oh my God, you know, it was heartbreaking. I'll have to see if I can find it and I'll link it. But it was like, this is, this is how true. Like they know. And for people to think like, Oh, it's just a baby. They know, they know, and they want to connect with you you're their parent you're their whole world and if they're not gonna it's not them trying to be needy it is just and as much as like we get it because some days it's just like oh my god i cannot do one more thing for one more person and then your baby hits that stage where they are like what do they call it like the um like the stranger danger phase the um 
Oh, like um, anxiety, separation anxiety. uh, Yeah, like separation anxiety. They hit that where the minute you walk out of the room, they freak out. And you're like, what the fuck? I just need to fucking pee, right? Like, (laughs) but your baby is like screaming. And it's like, this is, is seriously traumatic for them. They need you. And I don't know how anybody can be like, oh, they're just needy. They're just needy. They have to figure it out on their own. Well, Let first them go. of all, yeah, this word needy. I can't stand this word needy. The word needy comes from the word need, right? This is a, we're talking about a need. Your baby isn't needy. It, you, you, they have needs. This yeah. is normal. Babies have needs. Like needy is this, like we expect babies to act like adults. Which, by the way, adults have needs too, but we just like, you know, we all have like (laughs) repressed all of our needs enough that we can function in this society that like offers very little emotional connection. But like your baby doesn't know all that and your baby has needs. And if you don't respond to those needs, then there will be consequences. You know, Mm -hmm. your baby has you, you when they they have you need to be responding to them or they will, you know, they will not develop the. um that sense of healthy attachment to another person. They will not develop this sense of self-worth, this sense of safety. And the, we, you, we, all you need to do is watch the news or look out your window and see the consequences of this. Now, I want to ref- talk about something that you talked about is like, you know, sometimes you have days where you just can't respond or you can't, you feel like overwhelmed. That is fine. We're not mm-hmm. talking about, you know, I just can't handle it. So I lock myself in the bathroom and the baby's down there. Toddler's on the other side, banging on the door, crying that your toddler's fine. Your toddler's fine while you take a break. Like your baby, if you, you know, you feel like your baby, your baby's crying all the time and you put them in the crib or wherever, somewhere safe. So you walk out so that you don't shake them or something. That's not what we're talking about. We are talking about consistent and persistent ignoring of their needs, which I will say right now, no one listening to this podcast is doing. So that's not really the point of the podcast is trying to get you to respond to your baby because we, we know that you all are what, what I, what, okay. This is what I was thinking about when I, when, when, cause I had this, I thought about this idea for this episode because, because of, um, Jack and Jack is 11 and, um, I just want to tell the story of Jack because it's, it really is. It's just, I always liked hearing from people that had older, older kids because I was like, okay, so if I keep doing this, it'll work out. You know, like you can see like the, you know, the, the, um, the fruits of your effort. And so from the beginning, Jack was a very, what people love to call needy, highly sensitive, you know, didn't like to be put down was, was, you know, very, um, sensory, like a lot of sensory overload, loud noises, loud, bright lights, like all of this, you know, was uh, very triggering for him. And he liked to be held. And I breastfed Jack until he was six and a half years old. So to this society that we live in, Jack should be like a complete mess, right? Because he (laughs) was breastfed for so long. He's so needy. He's so you know, he's so wimpy and weak and, you know, can't live without me. And, you know, all of these things that we say, you know, so messed up, all these things we say about, about kids that are breastfed for a long time. Right. But, but Jack, and, you know, we, we went, you know, we went all in, you know, we responded to all of his needs. Of course I had bad days. Of course I lost my shit. I threw things. I yelled, I did all this, 
you know, all of these things. Like, I'm a normal person. But we really, you know, got this is where we found attachment parenting. It felt really good to us. We were really, you know, he slept in our bed until he was like eight. He, um, and, you know, I nursed him until he was six and a half. And, you know, he, you know, very, uh, you know, most of the time, very kind of timid, kind of shy, didn't want to, you know, doesn't want to start conversations with people, you know, needs to be once he once he gets to a, his group of friends needs to kind of be invited in order to get up, not the kid who just runs into the mix of it. And um, this year, so he's got this little best buddy here in Chicago, and the his best buddy is going to start this program on Fridays. It's, it's a it's like a supplemental homeschool thing. It's like school, but for homeschoolers run by homeschool people with homeschool kids. Um, So yeah, it's every Friday and it's like just like a place where they can go and it's not school, but it's kind of school. And his friend is going to do this. And so I said, you know, your friends do it. And the friend is, is the friend is just a completely different personality. Like he's the guy who's running to the middle of the crowd. He's, he's just like, you know, real comfortable, real social. And so it's kind of perfect because Jack just kind of follows on his ankles and, you know, he gets to, (laughs) he gets to like benefit. Right. Um, and so I was like, you know, he's doing this program, you know, do you want to do it? And he was like, uh, you know, kind of, and I was kind of joking because I knew that was not a thing that Jack's going to do. Jack's not going to go somewhere for a whole day without me. It's just not going to happen. <laughs> you know, like people, you know, people send their kids on sleepovers. People send their kids to school all day. Like Jack does not leave my side. And that's fine. We set up our life like that, right? We homeschool. We, I stay home. I work on you know, during the night and on the weekends. And, you know, we just set it up like this and that's fine. And he seems a little bit weird to other people, but I don't care. Um, and so he says, you know, I think I, I think I do want to try that program. I'm stunned out of my mind, completely <laughs> stunned out of my mind. Okay. He's like, you, you know, he's, you know, my friend's doing it, right. He's doing it. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, he's going to do it. And the friend's kind of like, you know, they're kind of like, yeah, we'll just be together. They're going to be in the same class. They're the same age. They're all of that. He goes the first day, he spends eight hours at this place. He comes out. He's like, that's the greatest thing I've ever done. Oh, this is amazing. Two days, two weeks later, they get COVID. So he can't go on this Friday. Right. I said, Jack, you know, he's not going to be there. So and I'm kind of like, I'll, you know, you could totally stay home. Like, it's fine. You don't have to go. And he's like, I'm going to go. I'm going to go. I'm like, you're going to go without your friend? (laughs) Like, I didn't say that. Like, I didn't say it just like that. But in my mind, I'm like, what? And I'm like, okay, well, you know, he's not going to be there. You know, of course, all your, you know, the other people in the class and, you know, whatever. I'm just trying to be like real neutral about it, you know? And he's like, yeah, I'm going to go. I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to go. He goes without his friend. To this thing, and I don't know, maybe people listening to me right now think that I'm an idiot and that this is no big news. But I got to tell you, this is big, big fucking news. It is huge. And I truly believe that somebody so highly sensitive and so, you know, so uh, just sensitive and, and, and shy and all of that is able to do this and is, 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 is demonstrating some you know, independence, if that's what you want to call it, some confidence, certainly you have to Mm -hmm. be confident in yourself to, to, you know, step away from the things that are normally comfortable for you. Uh, And I truly believe that this is happening because of how we parented him. Yeah. 
And maybe that's like, maybe I'm thinking too highly of myself, but I'm very prepared to say all of my faults. Like I'm, I'm not perfect at all. But I really believe that like he is developing these this sense of himself and he's confident moving in the world and he's, you know, doing he's pushing, you know, pushing the envelope of his comfort zone because he had his needs met. Mm -hmm. I just really believe that. Oh, yeah, I absolutely believe that, too. (laughs) And I know I've told people I'll sell this real quick before we like do our um, do our break. But when my first son went to kindergarten um i brought him on his first day and a lot of times people say oh we cried and you know like all this stuff about you know he didn't want to go and it was such a hard separation and blah 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 we got there and he goes i still remember this very clearly he goes where's my backpack i'm out of here like (laughs) that's what he said to me on his first day of kindergarten and then i picked him up after it was over and he goes I'm smarter than all those people. I'm not going back there. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, he still acts like that, but I I go, go, how are you going to learn anything? And he goes, I'll teach myself anything I need to know. This is a freaking five-year-old, right? Like, but this is because like he was, and I, I honestly like felt the same way. I, I really felt like it was because of the constant nurturing and togetherness we had when he was, you know, growing up from, you know, birth to, you know, till he went to school, um, it was, you know, constant nurturing, constant togetherness, constant, you know, responsiveness. And I really feel like he was confident and he knew I wasn't going anywhere and he was comfortable with that. And um, I think it makes a huge difference. And when people say, oh, you know, they don't, they're, you're going to turn him into a bait. You know, he's going to be a baby the rest of his life. You stop letting him do that. Let him figure it out for himself. Let him do, you know, and it's like, no, if that doesn't feel right for you, it's not right. You know, I mean, there's nothing wrong with keeping your baby close and making sure that they feel nurtured. It has nothing wrong with them. It's not them being needy. It's them being, no, it's them being baby. babies. That's yeah. normal normal okay i have we have so much more to say um we'll be right back we'll be right back today's episode is brought to you by imani and breastpumps.com helping parents everywhere with the right tools imani recently released the imani i1 dual breast pump featuring the quietest motor on the market experience optimal pumping with hospital strength output output as well as a never before seen boost mode Whether pumping from one breast or both, this smart system maintains a constant pumping pressure. Its two main cycles, massage and express, include multiple vacuums on each cycle. Portable, efficient, and hands-free. Find out why Imani USA products are trusted by over 46 million parents around the world throughout their breastfeeding journey. For more information, visit Imani USA, that's I-M-A-N-I-U-S-A dot com, and use code BADASS for 25% off of your purchase. Or you can visit breastpumps.com forward slash Imani, and you can place an order using your insurance benefits. Today's episode is also brought to you by Silverette. Have you ever struggled with sore or cracked nipples while nursing your baby? Silverette Silver Nursing Cups are your one-stop solution to soothe and protect your nursing nipples. Since silver is a naturally antimicrobial and antifungal metal, it can help ward off bacteria and infections before they appear. Silver, a naturally antimicrobial 
antifungal and antibacterial metal contains potent anti-inflammatory properties that can be used to heal and prevent cuts, cracks, soreness, wounds, and infections. Silverette are the original and authentic silver nursing cups, both clinically tested and registered with the FDA. Because your nipples deserve the best. Join us on Mission Happy Nipples. Use code BADASS for 15% off of your order at silverettusa.com. That's S-I-L-V-E-R-E-T-T-E-U-S-A.com. Code BADASS for 15% off. And these sponsors and their promo codes can be found in our show notes under this episode at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. Our show notes will also include further information about things we talk about in this episode and also at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com. You'll find our breastfeeding resources, all of our other episodes, and information about scheduling your very own one-on-one online lactation consultation with Diane. All right, go. Uh, yeah, so I, I feel the need to say that like, uh, you, you can do all the things right and you can, you know, breastfeed for a million years and do all these things. And you still might have a kid who is afraid to go to their first day of school. You might have a kid who, you know, is still, you know, just very shy or, you know, whatever. Like, like people have their different personalities. I think the point of what we're saying is that when you meet the needs of a baby and you understand that babies and children are not needy, they're not needy. They have needs and they are normal babies. That that then you have to respond to those needs. This is a this is how people and brains are developed, and emotions, and your sense of self, and your sense of empathy for others, and this is how this stuff is developed by having your needs met. Which means when you're crying, you pick them up. Means mm-hmm. you know when they need to be fed, you feed them. And you know there's also plenty of very well attached people who weren't breastfed. They had their needs met. They are cries were responded to. They had a lot of closeness with their parents. They had, you know, they had their needs met. Um, I just, I just love breastfeeding because I feel like it's a cheat code. Like it's so, you know, like happy breastfeed, sad breastfeed, mad breastfeed, fell down breastfeed, sleeping breastfeed, you know, like it's just so much, it's so easy, you know, to have that connection. Um, You can even do it. You could do it in your sleep. Mm hmm. Um, and to, you know, and there's also plenty, there's also people who do breastfeed and can also do, you know, plenty of emotional harm, you know, to their children too. So there's no, you know, there's not, this isn't like a, a black and white situation. There's obviously more that goes into, um, all of this than just, you know, I breastfed Jack for six and a half years. Therefore he's a lovely, you know, perfect human being. That's, that's not the point. The point is that babies are not needy. This is normal behavior and you don't like you don't when you feed into and fuel and feed like feed into it, feed into those needs. And when you feed into that later on, it feels it feels like such hard work because you're you're meeting these needs and it goes on and on and on for years and years and years. Right. It's not like, oh, I'm just going to, you know, do this for a year and then they're going to be super independent and they're going to be able to do all these things on their own and they're not going to be so needy and they're not going to need me all the time. It's not going to work like that. It's going to take a long time. It's going to take years, you know, to see them grow and to have to to have that develop inside of them. It takes a long time. And yeah. when I see this is what when I see Jack doing these things that I just 
you know, he was so, he was so as a, as a young kid, he was so, you know, he was overwhelmed by playgrounds. He didn't really even like to, you know, play in big groups and, you know, that's the personality thing too, but to see him really pushing the envelope and having the confidence and that security to, to move into situations that maybe aren't that comfortable that because he wants to do them. I think that comes from somebody who had their emotional needs met. And mm-hmm. that's just it. So why do we think then, and I, there might not be an answer to this question, but why do we think that people think that we shouldn't be catering to babies? Like, why are, I, I don't understand, why are individuals yeah. like that? Why do people think, oh, you have to leave them, you have to leave them to figure it out. You have to let them do their own thing. You have to let them, you know, soothe themselves, figure out how to self-soothe, figure out how to take care of themselves at the age of like three and four months. Like, why does this happen? Yeah. I mean, I, I remember when we had that episode with Rebecca Meeky and she was talking about the, like the the start of the kind of separation and like the 1800s where people thought you had to like keep your distance from babies because of germs and how they were going to learn, you know, independence by being treated like, you know, by just being given independence, even at three months old, you know, they need to learn to self-soothe. This is going to be a lifelong lesson for them. You know, if they learn to self-soothe now, they're going to, you know, learn, they'll be able to self-soothe later. It, it, and it's just a, it's a complete misunderstanding, I think, of child development. We don't understand child development. We don't understand baby behavior, sure. But we don't understand child development at all. We don't understand that, you know, we are animals. We are mammals. And we, you know, our, our offspring, our young need to be taken care of just like any other, you know, animal would be caring for their young. And, you know, we don't, we, we don't understand, well, well, you know, and then we can bring in all the other stuff, which is, you know, kind of normalizing formula and how that is just like how, you know, the profit world um, pushes those kinds of norms. And we see breastfeeding as, as, you know, being given all of these attributes that are just not true because it, it, you know, people profit from those relationships being ruined or not started at all. You know, if you breastfeed, people can't make money off of breastfeeding. So we'll make money off of formula and we'll say that breastfeeding makes them needy and breastfeeding is for the third world and breastfeeding is for, you know, these kinds of things. And it's amazing how how these things can affect cult- cultural norms, right? And our <sighs> culture, based on all of these things that we, base, I'm sure, just touched the surface on, um, leads us to think that babies... You know, if we want adults to be a certain way that we then we need to start treating them like that as as babies. But that's that's actually it's the complete opposite. It is the complete opposite. If you if you feed into those needs early, you will see this confidence and self self assuredness later on, not vice versa. If you if you if you're trying to create distance and trying to create independence as a baby, you're creating a situation of like emotional neglect where a baby's, if a baby's needs are not being met, they're constantly being left to cry alone. Um, not a couple of times because you're overwhelmed consistently and 
over and over again, being left to cry because we think we're teaching them how to self-soothe. You're just teaching them that nobody's coming. Mm -hmm. You're teaching them that their needs are not important. You're teaching them that, that their needs are not going to be met and they withdraw, they fall asleep, they do these things. And we see this later on as people who have no empathy, who have no, you know, no ability to connect emotionally with attachment issues. And, um, not the opposite. You don't find independent people. And independence is a word that really irritates me because I don't think it's really a thing. Nobody is truly independent. We are interdependent. Right. We all depend that on each mean other. It doesn't mean codependent. So- it right. means exactly, exactly. Yeah. And you create and you again you create codependency when people don't have their needs met. Right. Not when they do have their needs met. And it's so wild because when you think about relationships like a marriage or a partnership where you are building a life together, the basis of that is depending on each other and counting on each other and, you know, kind of growing that and embracing that. So why would we want anything different for our baby? Like, why would we have a baby and not create that same relationship with them, not create that same, you know, dependency where we can kind of like count on each other, where your baby knows that they can count on you. They know you're going to be there. Like, why would we not want that for them? I don't understand why. Like, it's just mind boggling to me why people are like, well, you know, you want they're not going to be independent if you continue to breastfeed them, they're not going to be independent if you're constantly doing for them. It's like, but then why do we do that for our partners? Right. You know, well, and you do, and I do hear people say sometimes like, Oh, if I'm crying, I just want to be left alone or I don't want to be touched or, you know, I don't want anybody to see me, you know, whatever. These are all trauma responses to not having your needs met by the way. Right. This is not, you know, people say it like it's normal and, oh, you know, that's, you know, how you're supposed to be. And, you know, but no, these are these are responses to not having those needs met. Much of what exactly. we see in the world is is a response to not having your needs met. I mean, have you ever been in a relationship with a person who was just emotionally and completely un- incapable of being there emotionally? Yeah. And then how'd that go? Yeah. Well, exactly. Divorce. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. it's true. And the, this all comes from, and we think, look, oh, you're making too much of the baby uh, baby stage. And I think, no, we are not too making too much of it. This is literally how people become healthy adults by having their needs met as babies and children. And I'm not, you know, it's just is. Mm-hmm. We understand this. We know this as, you know, as people who, you know, study child development as people who understand anthropology, how, you know, early humans acted, you know, throughout history, people have been breastfed, they have been, they've slept together, you know, mm-hmm. not isolated. They have been worn, you know, baby wearing is an old practice. And had their needs met. They didn't, people, humans have not, at no point in history have humans until now, until recently, been just left. 
to cry and just be alone. I remember my sister telling me one time, I don't even know if I had kids at this point or not, but I remember her telling me, and she's my oldest sister, so she was the first one. I remember her saying, I remember when I was little and having a nightmare and just laying in my bed terrified, but I knew that I couldn't go in to get mom because it wasn't something we did. You know what I mean? Like it wasn't something we did. And we knew that. We knew like there there wasn't that nurturing, you know, like growing up, like it was kind of like a business transaction, like, you know, like our upbringing. And um, she said, I remember she said, I don't ever want my kids to feel like that. I don't ever want them to feel like they can't come to me. Yeah. You know, from the age of whatever it is. And, um, and that's kind of how I always felt too. It's like, you know, and I remember like complaining and again, this goes with like, you can complain about how needy your kids are. That's fine because we all get it. Like we all understand it. But I made the mistake of complaining to my mother once about how my kid always comes in the middle of the night and gets in bed with me. And I was a single mom. So it was like for a while when they were super little. So it was hard to constantly be like the only one to be fulfilling their needs. And she would always say, get up and put him back to bed. He's never going to learn. And I was like, that's too much freaking work, man. Like that is just way too much work. And I also never wanted him to think that it wasn't okay for him to come and get me if he needed me. You know, like that was really the biggest thing. Yes, it was also too tiring for me to constantly be getting, it was just easier to just be like, okay, get in bed, you know, instead of getting up and bringing him back to his bed. But I also didn't feel like I needed to teach him that he couldn't come to to me. You know, obviously if he's waking in the middle of the night and needs something, I want him to know that I'm there. I don't want him to think that he can't come to me. Like what I don't that's the thing. Like I don't understand why we would be teaching our kids, you're on your own. You're on your yeah. own. Yeah, I heard like, somebody say one time, like, um, I don't want my kids to be afraid to tell me that they made a mistake. I want my kids to come to me, to feel like they can come to me when they've made a mistake. Right. You know, because we have this like very authoritarian, like type of parenting i feel like that's the like norm you know where you you're afraid of your parents and you know you have to do you have to do good and you get good grades and behave good and or you get in trouble and like i don't want that relationship with my kids i don't want that right i want to be their safe person i want when they mess up i want them to come to me when they are in trouble, I want them to come to me. If they made bad decisions and drove to a party and got drunk and now can't drive home, I want them to call me mm-hmm. and be like, I had too much to drink, even though I wasn't supposed to be drinking, blah, blah, blah. Like, we'll deal with that later. Let me come and get you. Right. That's not you the know, important I, part. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It is. And again, it, I think a lot of this goes back to not really understanding babies, right? We just don't understand how much they are picking up. And like, just like I was talking about that video that I saw, like, why would you ever expect that your baby that's only a few months old can read your face that clearly to know that that you are not interacting with them and how Mm -hmm. traumatic that is for them? Like that, they know, like they know if their needs are being met or not. And they will react 
They will. Yeah. And I, there's a, a the piece of it too, like I, we were talking before, before we hit record, about when we, we should always just re- hit record. Uh, yeah. Well, we were talking about like um, how, it, how it became like, you know, we have uh, people have to go back to work, you know, really early and people are isolated from extended families and from community and are doing, you know, all of this household life, money earning, surviving um, stuff completely on their own. And so that is, that in and of itself is kind of not how humans have always lived and is like dysfunctional. That is dysfunctional. But it's also completely normal. That's like our normal society, right? And so we have this idea that if people aren't functioning that way, that there is like something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, now it's become so normal that now we think, Oh, you know, if you're not, if you're just like not making all of this happen, then you are, you're failing and you're not, not the system's not the problem. You know, you, you as an individual are the problem. And this is how we get, um, this is how we get things like cry it out. And, you know, because people are trying to function and people are trying to do all this on their, on, their, on their own. And then they're like, oh, yeah, no, well, you know, we need everybody to take care of themselves. So, you know, let the baby's going to try to take care. You know, the baby has to take care of himself. <laughs> and, you know, the little kids have to, you know, sit still and be quiet and take care of themselves. And don't come to me with your problems. So we don't have time for that. And, you know, just suck it up. You know, I don't have time for you. I don't have time to stop my day and have, you know, this moment of connection to address and deal with your, you know, your feelings, which is like, I have all day to do that. You know, I don't, you know, I'm in a situation where I can work whenever I need to. And, or, you know, I can move that around. You know, my husband makes enough money to pay for most of the stuff and that we need to survive, you know, in capitalism. And (laughs) you, and then we have, you know, so if somebody has a breakdown, like we set it up, you know, so that I can be like, all right, let's work through this. But like, if you're, if you have two parents who are working, you're sending your kids to school, then you have, you're sending your kids to school to a classroom where there's 30 kids and one teacher. And then you have to, you know, take care of all this stuff on the weekends or whatever. You have kids who, who are babies and kids who are needing things and emotional things. And it's like, I don't have time for that. I need you all to get your shit together. Mm-hmm. And so, and then and now here we are with like yep. a bunch of adults that have no idea how to like manage feelings and, you know, in a healthy way. And, you know, I'm sitting here as one of them. I have my, I'm uh, me. We have me <laughs> as somebody who is just like, you know, completely overwhelmed by emotions. I have no idea like how to handle them, you know, self-medicating and, you know, prescription medicating and, you know, this is how yeah. we have it. And thank God I'm not, you know, I don't know, some other person who's emotionally, physically abusive, you know, because of the same reasons. Oh, man, there's so much, right? Yeah, so there's much. really a lot to it. So the, does breastfeeding make your child needy? I mean, that's a loaded question. It's like, is needy a thing? I don't I don't even think needy is a thing. Like no. babies have normal biological physiological needs. 
with that we need to respond to. And if we don't, then, you know, they can't develop into these emotionally secure people. Right. And breastfeeding and is not, you know, breastfeeding gets thrown under the bus so much. You, you know, know it's, it's like, well, everything. you're just, it's blamed for everything. It's not fair. Yeah, it really is. It's like, oh my God, you're still breastfeeding? Oh, they're going to be so needy. Or you're bed <sighs> sharing? Oh my God, you're never going to get them out of your bed. Yeah, because my kids are still in my bed, right? They're teenagers. Yeah, they're like what teenager wants to sleep in your bed? Right. And Jack moved out of the bed again with Jack. Like, I thought he was going to sleep with us forever. Well, Exley came along. Exley likes to wake up really early. Jack was like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I get Exley's still in the bed. But also, like, he still needs to be in the bed. He's just in a stage where he is not ready. And yeah. like, I'm like, whatever, man. This is like you're this is you growing in your own way. And when you're ready to sleep in a room by yourself, like as if that's just some small tiny thing, that you'll do it when you're ready. Well, it's so messed up because then you see people posting stuff on social media like, oh, my, you know, my child is going away to school. I would do anything to be able to have those snuggles again. I would do anything. I saw somebody post something the other day. Um, her kid's like five, not even that old, right? Like five. Yeah. And she had posted a picture of him when he was like, I don't know, six, seven months old. And like, you know, had all these chunky rolls and, you know, somebody was like, oh, my gosh, you know, what a cute squish or whatever. And she was like, yeah, I'd give a pinky toe to snuggle with that baby again. But when it's yeah. there, we're like, oh, my God, grow up. Stop being so yeah. needy. Right. But then right. when they are to that point where they don't need you, technic- you know, like need you, whatever. Yeah. With quotes. Um, we're like, oh, my gosh, where did my baby go? Well. You only have yeah. one chance to make this, Nobody, you know, to, to do this with them. Yeah. There's never, ever been a person on their deathbed that was like, oh, my God, I snuggled my kids too much. <laughs> oh, my God. I just, I breastfed them too long. Yeah. Oh, I, I really, you know, I really nurtured them too much. Yeah. Like, no, that is just happen. not a thing that people mm-hmm. say looking back, ever. No. We do what feels right to you. So, snuggle on. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Bye. Bye.